Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. This is MotorWeek's 37th podcast, and obviously I'm not John Davis. Our host and emperor of MotorWeek <laughs> is uh, on the road this week. And while those are some mighty big shoes to fill, helping me attempt to do so this week is... Vice President of Vehicle Testing, Ben Davis. Oh, good to be here. Stephen Chupnik, MotorWeek's Twitterer and updater of Facebook and Over the Edge Reporter. Hello. And writer extraordinaire, Shamit Choksi. That is I. And I'm Road Test Producer, Brian Robinson. This week we'll have our usual lightning round question as well as a run through the MotorWeek mailbag. But first, a look at some recent vehicles we've had in for testing. It's always good to start things off small, and they don't get much <laughs> smaller than the Ford Fiesta. Ben, you've spent more time than any of us in that one. How about you? That I have. It's a, it's a very impressive car. I was impressed on two levels. I was very impressed with the uh, with the interior. The um, the use of materials and the actual design of the interior are incredible, especially for a car in this segment. It's great to see that the American um, small car market is back and that they're doing it the right way. Um, I was slightly less impressed, but still impressed, mind you, with the uh, with the drivetrain. Um, it only comes one engine. It's a 1.6 liter, 120 horsepower, 112 pound-feet of torque. But the vehicle itself is pushing 2,600 pounds. So while it's, uh, for the most part, uh, fine on the highway, except for when you're passing, you're going to have to put it down into a fourth gear if you have the five-speed or the automatic will take care of it itself. Um, but I was testing it in San Francisco in the hilly back roads, and um, you could really feel the weight of the car and the and the uh, the tuned for economy uh, performance aspect of the engine, which was a, a little a little dampening, especially since the vehicle handles so incredibly well. Um, powering it through these back roads was was a treat, but I just wish I had another 20, 25 horsepower, maybe. Do you feel it was struggling? Like on the ups and downs. Um, yeah, you could feel a struggle. I was winding gears out a lot, and um, and it, it gets it sounds pretty buzzy up in the upper re- upper rev range. The name uh, Fiesta. So was it an actual party, oh, party. on wheels, or uh, <laughs> that's clever marketing? <laughs> if I was in the Ford camp, I would be partying. I would be okay. partying. The uh, the the one of the best attributes of this car is it's so quiet inside. Um, and when you see the dash and what it's made out of, and um, and the ride is is. It's um it's pretty soft when it needs to be and it, it handles crazy through the uh, through the turns. It just it feels like it should be a much more expensive car than it is. Compares with the I guess the Yaris and the Fit. How does it how does it compare to those? It's in a league by itself, I would think. Really? Uh, you'd, you'd have to try it out yourself to be sure. I, I could talk for days about how much better <laughs> it is, honestly. <laughs> well, you mentioned the marketing campaign, campaign, and I think this was. Almost a really is a very interesting way of how they did that, uh, all through vir- viral marketing um, on on the web, and started over in Europe, and then they brought it over to the states. And Ford made sure that they marketed it to the teens and early twenties because uh, that's who's going to buy this. And I have to ask Ben, what color was the car that you were driving? It was green, very very green. And and. <laughs> And I, I don't know if anyone else has seen some of these cars, but the color is very unique to whatever you... They had them all lined up. It, it looked like an Easter basket, for sure. <laughs> is it, it a five-door and sedan, three-door, or how many different... Uh, you can get a four-door sedan or a five-door hatch. Uh, no three-door? No. Uh, yeah, we should also point out that this is a, this is a, a global car that's been you know, embraced all over the world. 
it's back. Oh, sure. It's you know, been it, loved over in yeah, Europe. Yeah, it absolutely. really has. I mean, people uh, overseas love this car for all the reasons that you're saying. Um, it's... Uh, it, it's, it was here at one point back in the late 70s, and now it's back. So yep. um, it's yeah. kind of exciting. I mean, I think this is one of the most important cars for Ford um, in, in recent times. I agree with that. Yeah. Is it the same as the European model? Because a lot of times we'll get like a watered-down version. Or... It's a little bit heavier due to our um, crash standards, um, and it's also a little bit stiffer due to that extra weight. But for the most part, it is the same, yeah. All right, uh, moving up the automotive food chain a bit, uh, we have the Mercedes-Benz E550 Cabriolet in right now that we're testing. Uh, Shamit, why don't you uh, drop some knowledge on that one? Talk a little bit about that. Okay, so the Cabriolet, um, pretty awesome. E-Class, I mean, uh, in terms of mechanically, it's it's pretty much the same thing as the E-Class Coupe, which we tested last year. Um, Everybody here was impressed with that from a luxury standpoint, performance standpoint, technology standpoint, safety standpoint, and go on and on about that. Uh, What obviously makes the Cabriolet unique is that it does not have a top. Um, which is the definition of a cabriolet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, did you have something? Well, to say? I don't think that's the actual definition. It, it actually means some kind of fun something or other. Oh, it? cabriolet does? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought it meant convertible, too. Yeah, uh, convertible has so I'm many I'm not up on my know. French. Okay. So, pardon well, moi. Well, uh, can we research that and get and we'll, we'll, we'll hit our, our Maybe listeners. Maybe next podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, what we're looking at here is a soft top instead of a hard top, which... Um, you know, the decision to go that route uh, was somewhat interesting on Mercedes' part. Uh, Audi is also ha- has a soft top right now um, in the same vehicle range, and um, you know, there's a couple reasons for it. the 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 weight of uh, the weight savings, and then of course um, there's the savings to um, cargo. We'll actually have more on that later. Yes. And, yes. Uh, Yes, oh, no. well, that's right. Oh, but if oh, oh go ahead. Please, no, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to leave the car without saying what's most important about it. The innovation. Uh, it's called uh, air cap. Yeah, please. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, about. yeah, I mean, I should have actually started with that because that's really the most important thing about this car. Um, standard air cap. It is a, a two component deflector that comes from the the windshield header and actually um, helps to reduce wind noise and turbulence into the into the. Um, cabin which by the way is a uh, considered a it's obviously a four seat four season um convertible now because of that um people can have conversations a lot easier and we were out in there today brian robinson yeah, the four of us. oh that. yeah we moved the water cooler out there today <laughs> yeah we moved the water cooler out there we were talking and uh, it certainly makes uh, somewhat of a difference i don't know if it's a huge difference but yeah i was in the back and you know, i'm no engineer or anything but uh I didn't think it was making uh, that big of a difference with it up. We started with it up, and then we did put it down, and I could tell a little bit of difference. Obviously, it's still not ideal for carrying on a conversation, but I could definitely tell a difference with it deployed and not deployed. Uh, from the driver's seat I was driving, it, I could tell a difference. I could hear the backseat passengers better with it uh, activated. but uh, yeah, It seemed like when it was up, um, the the wind would keep from um, sort of recirculating back to the front, so it, it really was there. There was a difference; you could feel it. Now, let me also uh, mention the air scarf, which is a completely different system. Um, it's a um, uh, a heating system that's in the headrests of the front seats that uh, basically keeps 
the front passenger is warmer during um, open top, cooler weather driving. It's like yeah. a dragon just breathes fire down your back. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty it much. Good. It makes, <laughs> makes you feel all good inside and outside. Well, I have to just mention the, the, the driving just aspect of the car, and I, I think we can all say it's easy to say that this is a fun car to drive, but you can take turns at 70, 80 miles an hour, and you don't have to worry at all. It's it's just a fun car to drive, and it's very stable. It's, I don't think there's very little compromise between it and the coupe. Um, you know, it's it's just as uh, just as solid and well planted, and it's there's no there's no compromise here. Yeah, I drove it at the drag. It did feel very solid. Not much cow shake. It was very smooth. Fifty uh, six. Thirty-seven thousand dollars, something like that. Is that? Uh, yep. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, it uh, starts uh, right around fifty-seven thousand dollars. Uh, how does that compare? We just had that A5 Cabriolet. Is that about the same price as that? Or, yeah, I think so. I think they're about the same. They're knocking on each other's door for sure. I yeah. don't know which uh, which way I'd rather go though. That's an interesting question. Well, let's uh, mm-hmm. let's get on it. What? Uh, I think? prefer the Audi really? uh, to to this one just because of the interior. Uh, I didn't like the sound system in the. Uh, the the controls in the Audi, but the drive I prefer the Audi much more than than the Mercedes. Really, I think I think the Mercedes had more of a solid feel to it, and um, you know I think I don't know about more fun to drive as far as performance wise, but I think more relaxing, uh, enjoyable car. I, I'm a sucker for Mercedes V8, so I'm going to choose the Mercedes. Although it would be a hard hard, it would take me days to make a final decision for sure. moving along then regular viewers of our show know that not only have we tested about every car and truck to go on sale over the last 29 years we also do uh three or four motorcycles a year uh we've got uh, one in right now a kawasaki z1000 which is insanely fast and uh another one that we're doing uh is the fisher mrx and uh, it's a brand new uh, motorcycle company, Fisher Motors, and uh, semi-local to us here in Maryland. And uh, former AMA racer Dan Fisher, basically it's his company, and he uh, came up with a custom frame, which is the industry's only one-piece all-aluminum frame, and uh, gets engines, V-twin engines from South Korea, puts them in the bike, puts some uh, high-end components on there, some body work, and uh, sell them for eight grand, which is uh, pretty impressive. Huh. Have you guys heard of them at all? Or? Just through you. Yeah. yeah. yeah He's much. just kind of getting the word out. It's a, it's a 650 twin, so it's not super fast, uh, but it's pretty torquey, and uh, you can really run the thing around pretty hard and uh, have a lot of fun with it. Uh, would, is it something you would buy for yourself? Yeah, I, it's hard to say. I mean, it's such a good price. A typical like six hundred cc racer replicas, they're over ten grand now. Right. So I, that's his big deal. Is you know he's coming in uh, about two grand cheaper than them, and it, it has more high end components. He's got the Brembo brakes and the Olin's forks and and all that good stuff on there. And uh, driving it. Uh, it didn't feel cobbled together of all, at all. I mean, they're just getting rolling in their factory, so it was early production, and uh, it felt uh, like a production bike that had been rolling out for uh, for years. What's it sound like being a, a 600cc V-twin? It sounds awesome. Sounds so, like yeah, a Ducati? Six, or? Uh, very similar. 60, oh. uh, 650 uh, twin, and it's uh, 90 degrees, and it sounds good at idle. they got a really good exhaust on it. It sounds really good when you get on it. Cool. Sounds. Uh, where is it, where is he marketing? I mean, is it just here right now, or is it uh, actually uh, all worldwide? He sold uh, a few over in Europe and uh, even uh, uh, Asia as well. Really? But uh, yeah, maybe he's like uh, 
local band or whatever. He's going to get big in Europe before he gets big here. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the U.S. is the world's largest sport bike market, and there's no one here making them except for him. And you know, now that Buell's gone. So uh, I think uh, he's kind of the right place, right time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Hyundai. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, as much as I love to sit around and talk about motorcycles, we do need to move on. Uh, before we get into our lightning round, anything going on in the uh, over-the-edge department? Well, uh, at, right not right now as far as new uh, things. However, uh, the month of April was very busy, and you'll definitely see that in our 30th season. Uh the, the the beginning of this month, I spent flying a plane, uh, which was a, an amazing experience for me. Uh, I'm not a pilot, uh, but it definitely— But you play one on TV, which I is do. awesome. Yeah. And it definitely made me want to pursue my pilot's license. Uh, I was part of the road and runway rally uh, through the AOPA, which is an, airlines, uh, an airline pilot— uh, con- con- uh, commercial non non commercial pilot association. Uh, it includes uh, John Travolta, Harrison Ford, uh, you know, and then your regular uh, just sport pilot. And this was uh, between a smart car. It was a race that we took down from Frederick, Maryland, to Lakeland, Florida, in the Sun and Fun. Uh, pilots convention. Sounds awesome. Don't give it all away. Yeah. We'll uh, be sure to tune in. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, now it's time for our uh, lightning round question. We've got two minutes for this one. Electric hardtops seem to be more prevalent in the convertible market, but two convertibles we uh, reviewed recently, the Audi A5 Cabriolet and Mercedes-Benz E-Class Cabriolet, have soft tops, as well as uh, we just had the 5-liter Mustang in. That was a soft top as yeah. well. Convertible. Which do you think better, hardtops or is better, hardtops or the traditional fabric top? Interesting question. Who wants to uh, get us started? I'll start since we just talked about the Mercedes. I mean, you know, if it's a top like the one that Mercedes has, it's this new three-layer sound dampening. You know, the big difference between, to me, between the two tops, between hard and soft, is how much is it going to shield you from noise? If a soft top does that, then, and there's no real palpable difference, then why not go with the soft top? I think that it looks cooler. It's lighter. It's better on cargo. I mean... uh, that's the way to go for me. Having lived with uh, soft tops for a long time, um, I'm a little tossed in this. Um, if, by all means, if you have a garage, go for the soft top. If you if it doesn't have to have uh, snow piled up on top of it or UV rays beaten down on it all day long, then um, then by all means grab the soft top. But if you don't have a garage, I'd, I'd much rather have snow piled up on my hard top and sun beaten down on that. Because replacing the soft top every two, three years, uh, it's a it's a big chunk of money. The big advantage to me with a soft top is just trunk space. Usually uh, with a retractable hard top, it usually gets stored in the trunk, and then you have absolutely no space whatsoever. Right. I think like the G37, you know, that's a retractable hard top, and, you know, you can maybe get a ham sandwich in the trunk when the, when the top is stored in there, whereas the 370Z, you know, based on the same car, soft top, um, you know, almost a full trunk back there. So, right. so a bigger sandwich. A big, yeah, or even like a, a foot long. long. Sub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you, Miata, you've had a couple Miatas. Yeah. And you can get a hard top on that now or a soft top. Which would you get? I would get the soft top just because it, it, the, the look, you know, it's a classic look to have a soft top. Yeah, that's great. 
I've never had a convertible, so I can't really weigh in. Although my di- my wife uh, did have a Mercury Capri. That which doesn't count. <laughs> had a soft top, but then it had the bolt-on hard top. And that thing, that thing leaked worse than the soft top. It was like worse. It just lived in our basement for years. And bolt years. on hard tops. Yeah, that, that's the best of both worlds. There, I'd take a soft top with a bolt on hard top. Really? Absolutely. On your Miata. Miata S two thousand, whatever, whatever. Op, you know, Mercedes SL, if it was available. <laughs> All right, uh, with that bell sound there, I guess it's time to head on over to the Motor Week mailbox, see what's in here for us. This week's question is from Alistair. Can you tell me why U.S. auto producers do not make small diesels? Short and sweet, but probably not a short answer. Uh, Anybody? Well, I mean, one of the reasons is probably, there are a lot of reasons I'm sure we'll touch on it. One is just just the, the fact that America doesn't embrace diesels so forget about small diesels the entire diesel market is sort of suppressed in this country very true yeah i think uh it's similar uh if there was a demand for it like you're saying they would be making it I mean, people just Absolutely. don't want them yeah. it's similar to manual transmissions people are like well why can't i get a manual transmission in my accord i'm like well you're one of two percent maybe 20 200 people that would buy that it's just not cost so effective. yeah they don't have the money to engineer and design a whole new transmission just for two percent right. of right. the buyers but right. everyone compares it to europe and you know obviously diesels are big in europe and but two things differently over there is obviously their price is structured of their fuel to that diesel's a lot cheaper uh, which is not the case here in the u.s and their EPA regulations, uh, ours here, they're just not diesel happy at all. I mean, right. entire states where you can't even buy and sell diesels. So unless we change that, I don't see anything so changing. It is moving in a diesel direction. So, I mean, you know, maybe over the next five, seven, ten years, we'll see more of that. Um, it, it remains to be seen. Until the prices become more of a... A balance. Yeah. I, I don't think it's. Yeah, and be... we keep saying that, but I, they just it keeps getting pushed farther and farther away. Everyone said when we got clean sulfur diesel, then they would just start rolling in. Well, uh, Volkswagen, Audi. I mean, who else is rolling them in? I mean, nobody yet. Right. So I, I don't Mercedes. know. Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes. I think they're just neat. Well, they're not really small. They're That's more true. The, the full size cars. I think. Uh, I guess to answer your question, there's just I just don't think there's the market for it. I, don't I agree. Well, Alistair, I'm not sure if that helps or not, but for your question, you will get a MotorWeek T-shirt and quite possibly be the envy of all your car-loving neighbors. <laughs> if you're listening and do have a question or a comment, hit us up at MotorWeek.org. Let us know what you're thinking. That was kind of funny, Ben. You should have laughed. <laughs> there you go, I'm delayed here today. I'll save Sorry. it for the uh, water cooler later. <laughs> All right. uh, Thanks for joining us, folks. Be sure to check out our website and Twitter updates and uh, become a friend on Facebook to get up uh, up to date info on all the latest things we're working on. I'd like to thank our podcast producer, Michelle Parker, audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, and of course, our podcast creator and all around idea man, Bob Mixter. And before we go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our two camera guys here at Motor Week, Ray Kawada and Dave Hunter, two of the best guys in the business. Do a lot of they're basically responsible for everything you see on our show. Absolutely, and they uh, do a great job. Don't always get the uh, the recognition that they should, but they do a great job. Thanks to them for that. And uh, be sure to check us out on BBS, and we'll see you next time on Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org.
and watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.